Welcome to the South Elkhorn Christian Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the weekly messages. For bulletin material, reflection guides, and other resources, visit southelkhorncc.org. So which version is it? Which version is it? This is the fourth and uh, final message in a sermon series we began, walking slowly, word by word and line by line through the Lord's Prayer. This beautiful teaching of Jesus, this is how you pray in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount and his teaching on what it means to struggle with a life of faithfulness to God and community with others. Which version is it? Perhaps like me, you've said the Lord's Prayer in a variety of different ways. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or like we say it here at South Elkhorn, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Which version is the right version? Well, perhaps today we'll find out. So join me in Matthew chapter 6, reading verses 12 and 13 together as we conclude this section of the Lord of the teaching of how to pray that Jesus gives to his disciples there on the mountain as he shares the Sermon on the Mount. In the very heart of the Sermon on the Mount is this teaching on prayer. And this is how Jesus concludes that teaching. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, there you have it, folks. We say it wrong at South Elkhorn. Whoops. Maybe not. You see, we're working on some uh, spelling in the Schwarzenschuber household. I've got two little ones, and uh, I was over, we were working on some spelling with them, and one said to the others and said, oh, yeah? Well, how do you spell some? And the other one said with incredible confidence and without blinking an eye, S-U-M. And the other one said, nuh-uh, it's S-O-M-E. Well, that difference of opinion quickly escalated up the chain of command, and it didn't take long to all of a sudden hear, Dad, how do you spell some? Is it S-O-M-E or S-U-M? Which provided me the perfect opportunity for me to respond as I often do when asked these either-or questions. Yes. Yeah, but no, no, which one? Yes. But am I right or? Yes. What? I explained that when you're adding two things together, you get a sum, S-U-M. That's a correct spelling. And that when you're talking about a quantity of this or that, you're talking about sum, S-O-M-E, and you're both right. Which they didn't exactly like, but they were okay with. They were less okay with me than explaining what homophones are and going into linguistic intricacies. I lost them at that point. But, but there was something instructive about that moment. Why is it? Why is it that there's something in us that just always wants to be right and often at the expense of others? 
Well, we see that in whatever squabbles historically there may have been between whichever versions there are. I don't think people get into too much of a tiff over how we say the Lord's Prayer, though there is a lot in the life of the church that sometimes we get into a tiff about. We get into this concern for doctrinal purity or theological correctness, and we miss out on an opportunity to be curious and learn something new and experience God afresh and in a new and beautiful way. So, South Elkhorn, I'm here to give you good news this morning. You ain't wrong for saying sins. And in case we want, we don't, we want to get a little too high and mighty and then look down at those trespass folks who definitely, I mean, that's not anywhere in here. I mean, like, what, what's going on? They're not wrong either. In fact, I've been in five different disciples' churches. So within the same denomination, and in each, and in three of those churches, I've said the Lord's Prayer in three different ways. Why is that? Why is it sins, trespasses, or debts, depending on which context you're in? Well, here's a little clue. In Matthew's gospel, we have the Lord's Prayer, but that's not the only place the Lord's Prayer shows up. It also shows up in the gospel of Luke. Now, we're we're reading and we're exploring the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's gospel because it's the longer of the two places it shows up, and so it's closer to what we say every Sunday. But in Luke's gospel, in this condensed, shortened version, we get the following line, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those indebted to us. The word sins shows up. And then if we go back to Matthew's gospel, and let's pretend we didn't stop reading at verse 13. We went into verse 14. There there Jesus offers a theological gloss, a theological commentary on this very line. Uh, Jesus goes on to teach the following. If you forgive one another your trespasses, God above will also forgive you. Jesus, Matthew's gospel, sees debts and trespasses as synonyms. Luke's gospel, sins and indebtedness are synonyms. There's something connecting all these together because as the biblical commentator I've been leaning on during this sermon series points out, it's likely that Jesus spoke Aramaic, not Greek, which is where all these differences come from in Matthew and Luke. And there's a word that can legitimately be translated each of those three ways in Aramaic. And it suggests that all of those things are connected in one spiritual reality. Sin and sin against us has this religious connotation. Debt and indebted has an economic connotation. Trespasses has a a moral and social connotation. All of these things are connected in one spiritual reality, which is meant to talk about our fullness of being before God and, importantly, before each other. Jesus understood that we are social creatures who live in complex social relationships with other people, and those things can get messed up. And forgiveness is about restoring and rehabilitating relationships with each other and with God. And those things are related. They're connected in important ways. To do one without the other is to miss out on the one. To be forgiven is to be a forgiving person. And importantly, importantly for Jesus, importantly in in reading closely and watching Jesus' life and ministry in the Gospels, we'll see that Jesus has a lot to say about wealth about money, about social privilege and social position. And Jesus continually cares for and looks out for and has concern for those who have been exploited, 
those who have been demeaned and destroyed and tries not only to restore dignity to people who have all these social pressures on them that would make them think less of themselves, but also wants the community to restore relationships, including, including issues of economic justice. When Jesus says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we need to hear the spiritual aspect of that and quite literally the monetary aspect of that. All of that is connected in Jesus' teaching, his life of ministry and faith. Admittedly, it's tricky and difficult, but it's important not to miss that reality that Jesus cares about the economic well-being and economic health of a community of faith, and especially those who have been exploited and taken advantage of. Time and time and time again, Jesus wants those people to know that they matter, that they're included, and that the community will come to their assistance and aid and support. I was brushing up a little bit on some American history and learned a couple of things that I know we have some lawyers in the crowd who may know a lot more, a lot more about bankruptcy and bankruptcy law. But there was this thing, this thing that just blows my mind, but makes a lot of, there was this thing called debtor's prison. The way, the way debtor's prison worked is if you racked up enough debt and couldn't pay it, you could get thrown into jail where you couldn't earn any more money, obviously. And it was almost a life sentence. For some, it was a life sentence with no ability for family members or others to scrape together the money necessary to pay the debt. And many people saw the injustice in that, saw the problems with that. And so bankruptcy law is a way of giving people a mechanism to restore economic health and well-being without criminalizing indebtedness. And there were no small number of pastors and people of faith who saw that as an issue related to what it means to follow Jesus. We continue to live in the difficulty and complexity of finances and wealth and debt and when Jesus invites us to pray these prayers, he invites us to open up our eyes to the economic plight of those around us and consider what it means, consider what it means to pursue economic justice as people who have been forgiven and are about the hard and difficult work of forgiveness. Now, when it comes to forgiveness, we also need to remember that Jesus wasn't suggesting that Christian people are supposed to be doormats, that we're supposed to not have any boundaries or rules and that we should just let wrongdoing go and have no accountability. No, Jesus isn't about that. Not at all. But Jesus is about us struggling with what it means to be people of forgiveness, people who have been forgiven and who can live in the way of forgiveness. What does it mean to set boundaries but not wish someone's death or destruction? What does it mean to have accountability but offer avenues of rehabilitation and restoration? This is the difficult, hard stuff of faith, and Jesus invites us into that because faith is hard and beautiful and life-changing. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those indebted to us. And lead us not into the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Recently, the, uh, uh, within the last few years maybe, the, uh, the Pope has offered a 
a different variation or, tra- or a way of understanding this and saying, lead us, um, let us not fall into temptation because the idea of God leading us into temptation, yikes. In fact, in fact, in the book of James, uh, uh, James specifically speaks to this and says, whoa, that's not how God works. God doesn't lead anyone into temptation. Come on, that would be awful. And I, I agree with James and I am sympathetic to the idea of the Pope that we don't want to get into some bad theology, theology where we suggest that, that God is orchestrating bad things to happen happen to people. I'm not sure that's exactly how God works. At the same time, it's important that we recognize that when we come across this phrase, it is loaded. And if we've been paying attention to the gospel of Matthew, one of the things that happens after Jesus' baptism as he begins his public ministry is he is led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. And there he comes to a time of trial and testing where the evil one appears before him and tries to convince him to, to take all that he is and devote all that he will to his own power and prestige and privilege and opportunity. In short, to try and distract Jesus from the way that would lead to the cross, from the servant leadership that would lead to the cross, from the devotion to healing, hurt people, and instead focus on himself. The way of temptation, the trial, the the rescue us from the evil one is an invitation for us to see that all around us are opportunities for our world to close in around us and for us to make our lives all about us and no one else. Rescue us from the temptation to disconnect ourselves from other people, to shut down and make it all about me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father, this is about the collective community and this is about glimpsing the reality of heaven right here, right now in how we live our lives in relation to other people. So what does that mean for us here and now? Well, it means that our life of faith, as the word sin and trespasses and debt suggest, is about all of life and not just some small segment of life. It's about living in community with others. And importantly, in this season of a pandemic, it feels a bit like a trial, a test, doesn't it? What would it mean for us to see that in this season, in this opportunity, God wants to meet us right where we are and wants to make us new? A friend of mine was talking about how she recently went to see her therapist and was complaining um, quite legitimately that right now it seems like everyone is mad at everyone else and at everything all the time. And the therapist shared with her said, yeah, that, that's about where we are in this collective crisis, isn't it? All that we have and maybe all that we've taken for granted and all that we've been entitled to has kind of been laid bare before us and we've lost so much and that grief is coming out as rage. We see it everywhere around us, the littlest thing, throwing people into rage and chaos. Perhaps you felt some of that too. Forgive us our sins, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, who sin against us. Maybe right now in this time of trial and testing and difficulty, we need to acknowledge and accept that 
we're all carrying a lot. We've got short fuses and quick tempers. And it's time for us to say, God, help us, forgive me. And for us to see in others an opportunity to forgive and come alongside people who are carrying a lot and who have quick tempers. And perhaps in this season of isolation and disconnection, it's an opportunity for us to creatively lean into a commitment to be with and for others. Right here. Right now. And in a time and in a season, we might want to hunker down and just close ourselves off to everything else. This prayer invites us to boldly and vulnerably and care fully. Step fully into the presence of God, trusting that God is with us, has forgiven us, and is empowering us to the work of community and connection and forgiveness that we so deeply need. This is a powerful and transformative prayer. Words that can carry so much and when we need them to can carry us when we don't have the words to pray. So what version is it? I'm not sure that's what mattered to Jesus. What mattered to Jesus was that his disciples prayed and prayed honestly and prayed deeply and prayed openly and in prayer became someone new. Thanks for listening to the message this week. Visit southelkhorncc.org where you can download reflection and discussion guides to dig deeper into the weekly scripture and message.